I encourage you to turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. We are going to conclude this, uh, this series, this passage of Scripture as well today. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sexuality, idolatry and sorcery, and enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I also forewarned you that those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Against such, there is no law. Now, those who, ha- those who belong to Christ, have Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray your blessing upon our time together as we open your word that it would be clear that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that we would apply it where we need to. May you point out uh, to ourselves those things that need to change in our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been talking about sin for the past few weeks in the context of spiritual warfare. Um. And we've come to the area of law because we, we want to, we want to uh, know how to regulate then uh, our sinfulness. How do we know what sin is until law shows us? But law can only go so far in our sanctification. It can only point out our sinfulness. It, it can only go so far in helping us to become righteous. We understand that. And that's the conclusion of looking at sinfulness and looking at law. And it raises a very fundamental and very important question that we must answer as Christians. And what is the standard? If the laws have limit, then what, what do we live by? What is the standard of code of conduct for the believer? And on one side you have the legalist, extreme legalist, and it's about uh, hair and dress and... Uh, all kinds of other things that seem to be irrelevant. And then on the other side, you have those who are just, uh, uh, see that there's no need for the law, antinomian, and, and they, they just see no, uh, no, ne- no need for the law. The law is not necessary, it's not helpful, it's, it's been done away with. And we know that those two extremes are just not, not right. God has called His people to a, a standard And he calls it holiness. We are called to holiness. And it far exceeds the standards of the the world around us. Right? It far exceeds that. The social norms. Because those who claim the name of Christ are are to have a higher standard. If you're going to be in the family of God, then we are to be holy as he is holy. We are to not just not kill our Neighbor, but we are to love our neighbor as ourself. 
That's what we're called to. You have a command, don't kill. But what we're called to is so much farther than that. So much greater, so much higher than that. And it's the law of love. That's what it's called in Scripture, the law of Christ, the law of love. Maybe the law of freedom. Because we're we're freed from the law. We don't... uh, are not tied to laws when you're loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the highest standard that you can, that you can have. And the law cannot produce that form of righteousness. Laws cannot go beyond just the, the mere command that love can produce in our life. And if we love our neighbor, we're certainly not going to violate our neighbor in any kind of way. The law can't produce that righteousness. So therefore, in the conclusion that we have to to come to is that we need a new capacity for love because it's beyond us. Frankly, we can't do it. We need a new capacity for love. And that's exactly what Christ has done for us. It's the new covenant in His blood, in Christ's blood. Christ, of course, being the perfect example of this high standard. In fact, we would not even know love unless He first showed us what that love looked like. And Christ called it being born again. This is a, a new capacity, a new life, new ability then to love. And it's the Old Testament promise that God will take out an old, cold, stony heart that has no feeling and put in a heart of flesh, a heart of love, replacing it with the heart of love. And that's what he promised to do with Israel someday. As a nation, he's going to do that. And in the interim, he is doing that with the church during our day right now to make Israel jealous. And at some point, Israel is going to come back as a nation. Israel is in the news right now. And if they would just recognize their, their Messiah, that would make a world of difference. And God has given us a new capacity under this New Testament, new covenant. And so we are at war. We are at war. We still live in this flesh. We, we have a spiritual warfare. There's spiritual battles going around, uh, going on around us. And we fight, uh, the demonic powers on a certain level of, uh, false teaching, false doctrine. We fight that. We fight the influence of the world, uh, as they suppress the truth in ungodliness. But folks, the biggest battle that the believer will face is within ourselves within uh, our flesh. And Paul is warning us of the dangers of the flesh in this passage. And it is it is a the re, unredeemed portion of us. Some would call it the old nature. Uh, and, and that's that's good because we do have a, a new nature. It's the old nature, but it's it's tied to this flesh. It's tied to this body. Uh, and we've seen we you see the list of things in this passage that Paul talks about the flesh. It's, it's still a threat to the believer. That's why we fight. That's why there's a spiritual battle going on within us. That's what Romans chapter 7 is all about. It's still a threat to the believer. It has desires. It's looking, constantly looking for opportunities in verse 13. It opposes, it's constantly opposing the Holy Spirit's working in us. And in verse uh, 19, we see that it is, it is evident all around us. We can see it. The works of the flesh is just evident, he said. But 
the thing that gives us hope is in verse 24. He says that these those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh in the uh, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That is past tense. That is something that has already happened for the believer. That means that we are detached from this flesh. There's a certain amount of detachment that we we do not have to obey this flesh. We don't have to. We're not enslaved to it anymore. And folks, that's the good news. That's where the battle comes in. We can battle this flesh. We can say no to this flesh. We don't have to live and stay in our sins. In fact, we also have the Holy Spirit working in us to produce in us this family resemblance. And it is, it is, if we are going to take on the name of Christ, we must take on the, the character of Christ as well. Now, today's church, we see a drift from this. They, they tend to want to go back to the, to the legalistic idea or the antinomian where there is no law. They want to go back to this idea just as long as you, you stay out of jail, as long as you're a, a good person, then you're okay. But when we look at Scripture, believers are pursuing holiness aggressively, hungering and thirsting after holiness. We're pursuing holiness. Those who claim the name of Christ, that's what we do. And in the this book of Galatia, uh, this church of Galatia, they they wanted to go back to this law. It's a little easier to just say, do this and don't do this, and that's your righteousness. But that, we know, is not righteousness at all. They're not pursuing holiness. And, and in doing that, they're redefining holiness. They're redefining even the gospel Paul has to address. Redefining what it is to be a Christian and that lifestyle that, that God wants to produce in our life. And they're living in the flesh and we must be careful, folks, that we do not be sucked into that kind of thinking that the world, that the, this worldly church is taking us down. And so the principle that we see, you see it on this, on the screen is God's holiness is far, is, is much higher than anything that the law can produce within us. We are to be holy in every situation as God is holy. We're called to holiness. We're, that's not just law keeping. Tell me what to do, pastor, and, and I'll do it and I'll be holy. But that's not at all biblical. That's not just law keeping. It's seeking to please God in every situation. It's understanding what the will of the Lord is in every situation. It, it is a, a life of, of love. It's a life of God's wisdom. It's a life of God's grace in our life toward other people. And in this passage, this is a precious, it's become a precious passage to me. Paul gives us so much information, so much good, uh, practical information for our lives. He, he both, he gives us both the, the, the fruits of the spirit and the, the works of the flesh. And he's, he's making this spiritual life very, very clear for us. It is this, not this. It is spirit, not flesh. And he lays out in detail this lifestyle of the believer and the culture and the worldview of the believer and then the worldview, the mindset and the um, culture of the flesh that it produces. And we cannot have those two worlds come together. 
You cannot walk in the flesh and walk in the Spirit at the same time. You just cannot do that. Those things are in opposition to one another, Paul said. Now, we've been looking at uh, the, the works of the flesh. Our focus has been on the sin portion here. The flesh, how it works its way out in life. The tendencies of the flesh. And we've seen that there's three categories here. The first three are sexual sins. Then there's two that are religious sins. And the next ten are relational. And obviously the church of Galatia is they're living in the flesh and they need to understand the, how it's affecting the relationships. And so he spends more time on that. The first three that you see, works of the flesh, are uh, the, under the category of sexual sins. You have immorality. And that's just a broad category. It's a category. All three of these really are categories. It's pornea, the word we get pornography from. And it includes all sexual sins. And, and he says, not just not do those, but we are called to a higher standard. We see that in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3. He says, but immorality and purity and greed must not be named among you as is proper among saints. Don't even let that be named among you. It's far removed. It's not even to be a a rumor among you. And then we have impurity. And that's just uncleanness within. It's rottenness. It's decay. It's it's just a a putrid within the heart. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. We are called to do not participate. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. But instead, what? Expose them. Bring the light of the truth of the Word of God to those situations, to that dark heart where that um, that is that ungodliness is festering. He says, "Exposed in, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are. Don't even speak of these things, the things that are done in secret." And then you have sensuality number three. This is sexual uh, uh, indulgences. That's that's become comfortable with it in a public sphere. It's flaunting. It's this is a, a pride of sin uh, that is uh, just uh, in lewdness that is just uh, in in uh, in everyone's face. And that's completely opposite of what the believer is. We're called to a higher standard. The nature of the believer is in Matthew chapter five, verse three through five. We see as blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's the nature of the believer. We're poor in spirit. We are, we are those who mourn. We are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's why we're poor in spirit. Broken over our sinfulness. There's nothing, there's nothing pri- proud and flaunting sin in our life. Then you have the two religious sins. Number four, you have idolatry. Anything that would take God's place. Anything that would be more important than anything that we would fear more than God, anything that would love more than God, <clears throat> even the good things can become bad things when we elevate them to higher uh, plane than God, and that's idolatry. It's like bowing down before an idol. In Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-six, we are called to this. He says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a single-mindedness to the believer. Sorcery, number five. Pharmakeia. 
is where we get pharmacists from. And it's a, it's a delusion. It's a, essentially a drug-induced illusion, searching for some kind of uh, euphoria. And, and that's what they would do. They would take these drugs to, to commune with the gods in, back in the Roman times. And, of course, Satan uses this. And to, in Revelation chapter 18, he's going to bring a delusion on the, on the earth a sorcery, with sorcery, a delusion really over the whole world. It's really interesting how that's going to even happen. But Peter says, in the end times, uh, in the end, all things is near. Therefore, or the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober mind. For, the, for this is proper, for the purpose of prayer. And then we have relational sins. And there's ten of these. Relational sins. Number six. Is enmity, enmity. This is this is disagreement. This is in opposition to one another, causing discord. It's it's feuding. It's uh, it's alienating ourselves from other people. And when flesh is on the throne, when I am am promoting myself, then everybody's the enemy. Anybody that crosses me uh, is is going to be my enemy. It's my will be done. It's like a, a new baby, our son Colin and Emily. Emily's expecting any day. In fact, the baby's in a state of rebellion right now because it was due on Wednesday. And it's not out yet. But when that baby comes, he's going to be what? Demanding. My will be done. I will eat when I want to eat. I will sleep when I want to sleep. That's, that's what happens. And, and that's, that's exactly the idea here. Enmity. It's, it's, I want my way. And this is not, this is not a mature believer at all. This is just flesh. This is flesh. We see this. We are called to the higher standard. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, but I say, this is Christ speaking. I say to you that you are to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That, that's a high standard. How, how do we live to that standard? We have to have a new capacity for love to be able to do that. To love our, our enemy? Then no one is our enemy. That's exactly right. We, we don't use people. People are not just here for me. Like pawns, and I can manipulate, and I can uh, connive, and and do this and do that. Can you imagine the church at Galatia? That's exactly what was happening there. It just becomes a political church. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those kind of churches, but it's not fun. It's contention. Everybody's the enemy. Everybody has a a twist or a turn, and it's certainly not trusting in the Lord. It's just trusting in flesh. It's flesh driven. Number seven is strife. It's wrangling. Now, you see very little or subtle differences in some of these words, but it's, it's wrangling. It's, it's petty disagreements. This is, again, feuding and arguing. And this is backbiting, bickering between uh, two, two people. Um, and it's, it's a deep uh, desire to prevail over the other person. I've got to win. It's my will be done. And it will just, just will not stop. And you will win it at all costs. It's like two kids in the back seat of the car. 
And we would come home for Christmas time, about this time of year. And we'd come back to Beckley, where we would be coming to. And those kids, poor kids, and you, you can't blame them. But they're, they're squeezed together because we get all the presents in the back. And, and they're just squeezed together, car seats and everything. And they're, they're bickering. And that's the idea. Poking each other. Mommy, he did this. And mommy, he did that. He hurt me. And ungracious speech, right? That's the bare minimum. Ungracious speech. That's not mature, is it? That's not a mature believer. That's just flesh. Everybody can see that. That's just, that's just me, me, me. Um, adults, we fight for prestige. We fight for recognition. We fight for prominence. And it's foolish. Christ sees us as just a bunch of kids fighting in the back seat. And, and Paul's having to address that in the Galatian church. And here's what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Here's the standard which we are called to. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. He says, for we are called to freedom, brethren. We're not under that law stuff anymore. But do not turn your freedom into the opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. How can I best serve this person that's living beside me and being beside me? For the whole law is summed up. The whole law is fulfilled in this one word, this statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you're not consumed by one another. You're just going to pick each other to death. Now, at this point, I just have to stop and say, I am so thankful that our church is not like that. Honestly, I, I can honestly say that. We have a completely different environment in this church. We don't see people as the enemy. We are brothers and sisters, aren't we? And it creates a completely different environment. When you begin to see people as the enemy, boy, things turn. It's just not a fun place to be in. I am so thankful for Daniel's Bible Church. Number eight is jealousy. And it's rooted in, in selfishness. In fact, it's a severe kind of selfishness. It's a drive that, that will stop someone from getting what they want because I want it. Or to destroy what people have. It, it's, it's jealousy. We understand what jealousy is. We saw it. In the New Testament, we saw the high priest. We saw the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. They hated Christ. Why? They were jealous. They were jealous of his popularity. He was so popular. What did they do? They killed him. That was just the flesh. Just the flesh. And Christians don't live in that world. James chapter 3, he includes jealousy as, as those things that are not from above. He says that the wisdom from God is, 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 which is not from above. And he lists, and jealousy is in one of those, one of those uh, categories. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 he says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. So, so it's not that I'm just not jealous. No, I'm free from that. Even the love of anything, money or, or any material that, that's going to make me covet. He says, Be, being content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We are to be content. That's the higher calling. The law says, well, well you don't, uh, uh, you're, you're not to be jealous or, 
Yeah, you're not to be jealous. But we're called to a standard that says, no, you be content with what God gives you. It's a higher standard, much higher standard. But folks, it's easy to be jealous, isn't it? It's easy to be jealous of of other people's money. Lord, why are you not giving me this money? It's easy to be jealous of, of someone's home or car or wife or husband or Can we allow the people around us to be blessed by God without without even the twinge of jealousy? Can we be, this is a better question, can we be content with what God gives us? Can we be content with with Christ? We we need to probe ourselves, don't we? Jealousy. Number, Number nine is outbursts of anger. This is a sudden, sudden burst. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, a passion in, in the moment, but it's like uh, setting a match, setting uh, a fire to straw. You know how it just flames up or, or leaves at this time of year? It'll just flame up at some point. At one point, they, they said no burning because the leaves are at such a... Uh, Ignition point that, that any little thing, they just flare up. That's the idea here. It's a rage. But this rage is, is based upon, and it, it comes from controlling others. You will do it my way. It's my way. It's my will be done. And it's a flash of anger. And it's rooted in, in a heart that's this, uh, that, that wants control. Now, here's, Here's the standard that we're called to. Now listen to this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. It says, Do not associate with a man given to anger. Okay? (laughs) It's not to, oh, don't be angry. No, don't even associate with them. He says, or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Just don't associate with people that are that are just that have those moments of this flash of anger, this control, just hate. My will be done. My will be done. Of course, Proverbs chapter fifteen, verse one. We're called to have a gentle answer, a gentle answer for those who uh, would would be enraged at us. Gentle answer turns away wrath. That's what we're called to. Number ten. Disputes, disputes. And again, this, this is arguing, but it's, it's rooted in personal gratification. And the key here is ambition. Ambition, keep that in mind. It, it's self-seeking, it's, it's rivalry. And, and James calls it selfish ambition, and it's an extreme selfishness here. And there's no room for anyone else. It's just me, 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 me. In fact, all of this, you can see that. But it's self-promotion. And this word is associated with the, in the Roman world, with those uh, men and women who were seeking uh, a high office. It was self-promotion. You know, is this time of year we're going to start seeing commercials. Well, we already have been. On TV, it is no different than in the Roman world. This self-promotion after self-promotion. And it's, it's, it's vote for me and here's 25 reasons why. And they want power. They want influence. 
Now, we, we understand that. We understand what they're doing. We understand to a certain degree they have to get their message out kind of thing. But it's a, a self-promotion. That's just a good illustration of what's actually going on. And today is no different than in the Roman world, is it? It's just, just what we see. It's really no, no change. But we are not to be that. In fact, what God has called us to, what the high standard of holiness is, do nothing from selfishness. Not one little act of your day is to be done with selfishness as its motive. Or empty conceit. Just elevating pride. But with humility of mind, regard others as more important than ourselves. Folks, that's, that's a, an amazing thing. It, 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 right away, that's going to make us different from the rest of the world. It just is. When you're quick to hear and, and slow to speak. So I, I'm, I'm more interested in what you have to say than me uh, having to, uh, having you hear from me. Quick to speak. Are quick to hear and slow to speak, folks. We're going to stand out. But let me just tell you, you'll also get taken advantage of by this world. This world doesn't have this kind of standard. The world has a, a me first attitude. It's a it's a self promotion, a self centered, self focus, um, self interest. That's that's all it has. A very shallow thing. And so we have to prepare ourselves, folks. This is where the world is going to conflict with us we have to be careful about being drawn into the world's attitude disputes number 11 is dissension now this is literally standing apart standing apart is the is the root word here and it's it's just the idea i'm not going to agree with you and it's in the realm of truth it's in the realm of uh of being joined together with with truth. I'm not going to agree with you. And to the point that it causes dissension and disunity. Uh, and the church has, has been split. The church has been destroyed because people uh, have this attitude of, of hatred in their heart, resentment in their heart. And they dig in their heels and they will not agree. Paul calls us to this. This is the higher standard for the believer. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance toward one another in love. And here's the key, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You you know, folks, there's some things that are just not that important. Not everything is my calling and I have to die on every hill. No, I can, I can relinquish those things. They're just not that important. And we know Paul, Paul is writing these things in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul and Barnabas had a dispute, didn't they? There was a dissension to the point that I'm not going to listen to you, you're not going to listen to me, and they, they split ways. And, and you've got to wonder how much damage that did to the, the church at that time. I don't know. But it drives a wedge. And we have to be careful. Paul says to be diligent, to make sure you don't drive a wedge, to preserve that unity. 
Not everything is... You know what? Satan, Satan uses anything, issue after issue after issue, to, to drive a wedge between relationships, between people in the church, and, and it doesn't take much, and they're, they're gone. And the next thing you know, you never see them anymore. Why? Oh, Satan's used something to drive a wedge. And we pursue unity. A higher calling, folks. Number 12, factions. Factions. And this is a real similar word, but this is, this is where it has two kind of uh, ideas. This is a, a choice, but it's my opinion or uh, um, an opinion. And you're bringing these two thoughts together is, is that I'm choosing to follow my own opinion as opposed to the orthodox teaching. And it's in the context of these words are in the context of of truth and and teaching. And so the idea here is is a rejection of the obvious truth to favor my own opinion. My opinion first. It it's, leads to division um, and the formulation essentially of a cult because you're, you're leaving a truth to follow your own opinion, your own way, your own thinking, and essentially you're establishing your own cult over here. This is what I believe. This is just my opinion. Now I'm going to follow it. And, it's, and it's, I'm going to cause a faction be, to, to make that happen. Folks, we have doctrinal statement here at Daniel's Bible Church so that there is nothing like that. We come in together and say, here's what we stand on. Here's the truth that we believe. And we have people, when you become a member, we, we have you sign this doctrinal statement. And this is, this is what we believe. This is what we, we teach. This is what we live by and hold to. And we don't exchange that for my own opinion. We're not seeking somebody else's uh, or you're seeking our own op- opinion to, to make some kind of faction within the church. Now, here's the picture that we see. Here's the high calling that we're, we're called to. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. As a result, now just follow me here, because a church is pursuing truth. A church has certain things they will not compromise on. Truth. And, and Paul says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful schemings. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto Him who is the head, even Christ. So we're all pursuing to be like Christ. He is the head and we're to be like Him and we're pursuing that aggressively, that truth, so that our minds can be renewed. We're all on the same page thinking through truth. That's a unity. And he goes on to explain that from whom the whole body, that union of the whole body is fitted together, held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You have a whole body there, unity there. And what causes that unity? The pursuit of the truth. The pursuit of sound doctrine. Doctrine doesn't divide. Doctrine uh, unites. The, the doctrine provides a strong bond of unity for the church. Folks, that's, a, that's the picture that we need to have in mind. Pursuing the truth. 
You, you know what? Let me set my attitude, my ideas, my opinions aside for a second, and let me pursue the truth of this matter. That's the, that's the call for the believer. And that's a, a wonderful picture of the church there. No factions. Working together, functioning together as a church. Number 13, envying. This is just evil. There's nothing new about this word. Just plain evil. Uh, just plain envying. It's evil desires uh, for something that you can't have. Something that somebody else has. I want it. I'm just coveting. And that's that's it. That's just the basic idea. And I, I can't stand the ideas. I can't stand of other people having something that I want to have. Something that I can't have. And we already know the command about this. Thou shalt not covet. It's very simple. Very simple. But we don't live at the law level. That's the law. That's what the law commands. We live in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Here's the idea. Here's for the believer. Here's where we live. The false church is just going to live by the law level. The, the true church, Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Not that I have, not that I speak from one. For I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. It's not that I just don't covet anymore. You know what? I'm content. He goes on to say, this is Paul. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. No matter if somebody else is in good circumstances and I'm in poor circumstances, I've learned to be content with that. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having uh, abundance and suffering need. Folks, that's the right attitude. That's the attitude of a believer. The tendency of the flesh is just self-fulfillment. The tendency of the flesh is like in verse 24, he says, passions and desires, pursuing that. And folks, that will never be satisfied. Never be, ask yourself, what drives me? Is it money? That's never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be enough. What satis, what am I, what am I pursuing? It's never going to be enough. The, the flesh just craves and craves. We move from one idol to the next idol to the next idol. It's always craving. We'll never be satisfied. And that's why we have to fight this flesh. We have to learn to be content. Number 14, drunkenness. Drunkenness. This is uh, literally, it's wine bubbling up. It's, it's drinking to excess. It's drinking to get drunk. And essentially, it's altering the mind, altering the perception. It's intoxication. It's being under the influence of alcohol. Okay? That's the idea. But it, it goes beyond that. It's drunkenness. It, it's a constant thing. It's needing that. It's relying on that alcohol. To make me feel better. Oh, I just, it, it relaxes me. It helps me to feel better. It becomes a crutch. I need that. I need that. I need that. It soothes me. It, it makes me get through life. Uh, the idea is, is uh, I go back to this baby illustration because I'm thinking baby, right? It's like a pacifier. Now, why do pacifiers work? Why do pass just just that's a philosophical question. I have never figured it out. This little thing, 
but I'm telling you, it works. You go and plug up that hole with a pacifier, it works. It, it, it just does. Does that baby need that? Does that baby, is it, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? Drinking, food, uh, narcotics, uh, nicotine. There's all kinds of pacifiers that, that we depend upon. Um, he says, don't. It's, it's drunkenness. And, and he fights against being drunk in Ephesians chapter 4. But here's the higher standard. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. All things are lawful for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a wonderful verse. Paul's, Paul's, this is mature Paul thinking through this. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are permissible or uh, profitable. Yet it's just not profitable. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by any of them. You know, I don't need that pacifier. It will not master me. It will, I will not become addicted to that kind of stuff. In fact, he goes on, I'll be controlled by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4. It's influence. It's influence. I will not be uh, uh, influenced. I will not be controlled by these things. I will be in, I'll be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Obvious application. What's your pacifier? What soothes you? What do you need? And then the question has to be asked. Does God satisfy you? Is He a good shepherd? Do you need other things? Number, number 15. This is the last one. Number 15 is carousing. So you have drunkenness. And now you have carousing. What's the difference between those two? Drunkenness and carousing. Carousing is just the wild partying, the orgies, the, 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 the loud singing, the, the uh, staggering through the, uh, through the streets, the brawls, the rioting, the, the boisterousness, the loudness of, of being drunk, the carelessness, this carefree attitude, um, a, a kind of a public display. And you, you begin to see these things sometimes, uh, you know, just this mis, mishaps on Facebook. There's a little video clip that'll come up and you see people and they'll throw one in with, with all these drinking, people are drinking and they're falling, stumbling all over the place. Or a better image, when you, when you go into, and I like Logan's, it's a good restaurant. But on the walls, if you ever noticed the, the Logan's, the, the, the paintings on the wall, that, that's carousing. That's the idea. This is the idea. It was used, this term was used in the mili- for the military, for the athletes, uh, after they would have a victory, they would celebrate and it would degrade to a drunkenness and, and moral uh, uh, disorder. Um, just kind of letting it all hang out. No inhibitions, pulling back. Romans chapter 13, here's the higher calling. Romans 13 verse 12 says, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Listen, there's time for that, that time for sinning in the past. It's done. We've turned a, a new leaf here. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing and drunkenness, not sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh 
Don't even go into that kind of environment. Don't make any provision for the, 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 uh, the flesh. Um, say, I don't, I don't get drunk. I don't, but I really like that environment. It's carefree. There's no, no ambitions. That's the conduct of unprincipled men. There's really no place for the believer. But Paul calls it carousing. Why does he distinguish that? That, that whole environment? I, I don't know, but he does. He, he labels it. It's a characteristic of sin. It's just not a place for the believer. And these are the things of the flesh, folks. He says, and things like these. He goes in verse uh, 23. No, I'm sorry, verse, uh, the end of verse 19, or verse 21. It says, and things like these. And I forewarned you about these things. And anyone is, is living this kind of lifestyle is not going to be entering the kingdom of heaven. There's a warning there. We are to be in the cadence, walk in the cadence of the Holy Spirit. The cadence has a, the Holy Spirit has a certain drumbeat, a certain uh, uh, way it, it, of life, a certain lifestyle, a certain culture. And we are to be in consistent with that culture, be consistent with that. So we fight, right? This is part of the, the spiritual battle that we fight. We fight warfare. Now, I want to reverse this because I want to just quickly move through. I'm going to do this quickly. I want to go through the fruits of the Spirit just real quick. Because I want to do them in, in light of this flesh, in the light of this battle, in light of this conflict. The fruits of the Spirit, we have, the first one is love. The, the flesh cries out, cries out, um, not not the enemy. I will not love the enemy. The flesh cries out for that. And God says, no, love your enemy. Trust me. Love your enemy. The flesh, number two, cries out um, uh, for self-pity. The flesh cries out for uh, uh, feeling sorry for ourselves and, and empathy from others. And, and we, we it's about us and and we're called to joy. Just that inner peace, that inner contentment, that joy, this inner happiness that's based upon eternal spiritual reality of our life. The flesh calls out uh, that Christ is not enough. We're called to peace. The Holy Spirit is producing peace within our life. That this inner peace, this inner calm, this confidence that has a relationship with Jesus Christ that says Christ is enough. Just be at peace. The flesh cries out, hunger, hurry, hurry, hurry. Me first. And guys, this is me in traffic. In, in patience. And we're called to the standard of, no, you know what, I can, I can tolerate this. I can be patient. The flesh cries out um, that these kids don't deserve it. And we're called to tenderness. We're called to kindness. We're called to gentleness. The flesh cries out, um, uh, doesn't, uh, look at the world. Look what the world is doing. Everything is rel- relative. There's no such thing as goodness. Begins to redefine everything and, and we're called to goodness. Uh, 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 a moral and spiritual ethics uh, and, and excellence. The flesh cries out uh, to just go with the flow of the world. You can be flaky. You can you can be. Uh, you, you don't have to show up. The, we're called to faithfulness. The flesh calls out um, for uh, 
It calls out for self-assertion. It calls out for force. It calls out to drive of, of hatred of others and me first. And we're called to gentleness and meekness and humbleness. The flesh calls out my needs, my needs, my needs. It's my personality. It's, it's the DNA. It's the way God made me. It's the culture around me. And excuse after excuse, the world calls out, says, do, you do you. Follow your heart. But the Holy Spirit says, no, self-control. Self-control. And you have a new capacity to do that. All of these things. Holy Spirit is trying to produce these things in your life. You walk by the Spirit. You, you do these things. If it, if it takes fighting the flesh, then you fight the flesh. The fruits of the Spirit result, assurance of salvation, assurance of eternal life. The, the works of the flesh is going to result in what? Shall not enter the kingdom of God. It's a world of difference. We better make sure. That we, that we get it right, folks. The flesh must go. We have to detach ourselves from this, this flesh. Do you recognize sin as we go through this? Have you recognized sins in your own life? Can you identify saying, oh, I need to work on this, I need to work on that? Can you see the Lord's working in your life? That's a wonderful thing. Folks, we have hope. We are people that have hope. Why? Because we have a new capacity. God has worked in our heart. We've been born again. And we have the Holy Spirit working these things out in our life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for Daniel's Bible Church. I thank you for the good spirit that we have. I thank you for just your grace in our life. How patient you are with us. Father, we're just a bunch of immature kids in the backseat of a car. Lord, Correct us. Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Thank You for Your love, showing us love first so that we can know what it looks like. And Lord, thank You for the new capacity in us to love our neighbors, ourselves. And we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.